Hello, welcome to Toffee TV. It is the match preview. I'm joined by Joe Thomas from the Echo to talk about a home game, Joe. Oh, Everton have lost four home games on the run this season. The positive thing going into this game, Joe, is this was the last time he won a home game as Bournemouth. Mm -hmm. The last time he kept a clean sheet was Bournemouth. Yeah. So I'm praying that history repeats itself because sooner or later this team has got to start winning home games or it's going to be in massive trouble. Yes, I mean, something's got to change, hasn't it? And, and the sooner it changes, the better. Uh, and, and they have to really see this as an opportunity. And it seems seems so strange you know, sitting here and saying that now, mm. having passed up the ultimate golden opportunity that was that was Luton. You know, with all due respect to Luton, I mean, coming off the back of the week that they did have, going into that game against a team that, you know, I think most commentators have already consigned back to the championship. It's not even a... Are they going to stay up or not? It's are they going to stay up and to keep it respectable? And yeah. you just thought, this is the chance. This is the chance to, we've got a foothold in the season, build on it. Mm. Another game against Bournemouth after that. Could go into the international break and then the derby, if not necessarily four wins on the bounce, but mm. three wins and a draw maybe. Yeah. And just think how much the atmosphere would change around the place. Mm. That wouldn't be to say that even 10 points from this collection of eight games would necessarily represent success. No. But it at least would have given them the cushion that they need mm. going into the next part of the season where they've built up a little bit of a barrier between yeah. this and the relegation fight and, and things like that. So, I mean, it really is a huge, huge game, isn't it? That's right. I mean, we were we were talking last week and that was the thinking. It was We just had two bonus results, if you mm -hmm. like. Um, if we could win two home games, then 10 points from the first eight games. You say it's amazing, but it would have been mid-table. They'd have caught up you to would, where they, yeah. Well, exactly. We would have also been like six points ahead of Luton. Exactly. You know, six, whatever, ahead of Bournemouth and things like that. And listen, we could we could win on Saturday. Luton have got Spurs at home, so mm. you'd expect Spurs to win that one. Everton can have a little cushion again, but the next block of fixtures are difficult for Everton. So we have thrown away a huge three points last week against a very limited and basic side and, and I'd say that with all due respect to Luton they haven't spent any money no. but they did look very much like a championship side at, on Saturday and that's why the more galling thing about that game was we second half was just so poor you can have a, a bit of a, a lapse in the first half and let two goals in and we got a goal back and it was right come out for that second half and really have a go at it and I don't know about you, I was just so disappointed the way Everton approached that second half. It was it was peculiar because I think that I thought the way that they finished the first half was good. To have mm. gone two 0 down, to have had that setback and to show the resilience to then start, you know, go back on the attack. Obviously Luton started to sit back a bit deeper mm. because he had something to protect. But first there was the Garner the chance where he headed against the bar, obviously should have scored, yeah. and then finally there, there came the Dominic Calvert Lewin goal. And and it really gave Everton the momentum going into half time. And I wasn't nervous at half time mm. i thought you know what carry on like that for another 45 50 55 minutes <laughs> yeah. however long the games are then mm. you certainly would have thought everton would come out of the game with something and Definitely, you think that yeah. a win was Wasn't on the you know, was still yeah. a, was still a possibility and i took i took a degree of, of strength from the way in which the most impressive thing to me about the brentford win was the way in which everton came out in the second half mm. They played so well for the first half an hour. They've got the goal. They should have got more. They suffered the setback of going, of conceding the goal against the run of play. And yeah, they, they could have crumbled in that second half. Mm. Instead, they came out, they played with 
an authority, a calmness, a maturity mm. that seemed to suggest that they knew that they were the better side and there was three points for taking it and they were calm with everything that they did. They were methodical. They played a certain way. They didn't panic when the goals didn't come and they just kept it up and 20 minutes into the second half, they got their reward and, yeah. they, and they deserved it. They deserved mm. it. and Just like they deserved the win at, at Villa as well. And I thought, bearing in mind we had that as a template from the week before, and this was at home, and the crowd were behind them. They were, they yeah. were behind them. Um, mm. And obviously this was against, again, with all due respect, lesser opponents. And having had the goal just before half-time, I thought, you know, the conditions are here for a comeback. Mm. The importance of this game is so significant, it can't be lost on Everton players. There's an opportunity here for either the team as a whole or a handful of individual players to grab this game by the scruff of the neck and, and to dictate it. Yeah to you know, come out the traps, to come out the shadows and put in a 45-minute performance that could really give Everton a boost for this season. They said it, it just didn't happen and, mm. and that's a real concern because they had opportunities as well and, and I think that, you know, I wrote my match report for the Echo, you know, obviously would have gone up about half an hour after the game and, and I started on this point and 65 minutes in, Carlton Morris and Jared Brownfleet were both receiving treatment. You know, they, they'd collided oh, yeah, in, in yeah. the air. And you thought, even at that point, you didn't think anyone was panicking because mm. it's like there was still 20, 25, half an hour half left, an maybe hour, even yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. And and you looked at it and you just thought, well, there's still plenty of time here for this group of players. But I looked around the group of players and Amadou Inanna came to speak to, you know, came down to the touchline. He was the only one. Mm. No one else came to get instructions, nor did the coaching team bring anybody in to take no. instructions. I was looking around on the pitch, a handful of one or two conversations between players, but there were a lot of hands on hips. Yeah. And that was a moment, really, where you needed somebody. You needed a personality to go, look, lads, all right, last 20 minutes hasn't quite worked. Let's write it off. Let's start again now. We've still got ages left mm. in this game. Nothing. One becomes two. Yeah, I was surprised with the, the manager's changes. To be honest, not necessarily. I didn't think he should have took a Trissigan again after he did, and we lost the midfield. Not didn't lose it because Luton didn't do anything, but we we didn't have the same measure of control. But I was more surprised that when he put Jack Harrison on, he didn't put Nathan Patterson on behind him, who would have overlapped. And I've done a bit of this, and again talked about it lots of days that I can almost plot Everton's. Um, inability to win home games back to Luca Dean leaving mm. and Seamus Coleman simply getting older since we've lost Luca Dean and Seamus has got older and not been there all the time go and have a look at Evans home wins they, they dropped off because we've replaced them Michalenko's a more defensive fullback and the right back has been whatever Seamus playing injured or with Ben Godfrey there or Patterson's been in and out and at home is where your fullbacks are hugely important. And this is what I, I just didn't get it with Sean Dykes, why he didn't have Patterson to overlap Harrison. Mm. And I would have personally been really brave and took Michalenko off, dropped Dwight McNeil to left-back and had Dan Juma ahead of him. Maybe not at half-time, but certainly with 20 minutes left and really forced Luton back because they were no threat. They broke once and, funnily enough, they had the ball <laughs> in the net, but they were offside. It was the only time they really come over the halfway line and... and that just surprised me, but you're right, it was that last 20 just was flat and it was almost, we were out of hope. And mm. I don't think, moving to this Saturday, I don't think we can approach this game just out of hope. There has to be a more attacking, adventurous lineup, I mm. think, and a way of playing. And that will involve fullbacks getting beyond our wide players. Mm. You know, we've put James Garner out on the right, I don't get it personally. 
I just doesn't work. Away from home, maybe. I don't mind Everton being nice and tight and compact. But I think at Goodison, where your majority of fans are, let's be honest, mm. and despite some accusations that they can't play Goodison because the crowd are difficult, mm. they weren't difficult last Saturday. Mm. If anything, it was just quiet. And in fairness to Sean Dyche, he mm. made that clear as well. Like mm. this, this, this myth about it being a difficult place. Obviously, we know there are times when it can be. And That's frustration, though. Completely isn't it? justified in that mm-hmm. so many times over recent years, but but Saturday wasn't one of those moments. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, I mean, you you talk about the, the fullback situation. For me, the change that it didn't surprise me, but it frustrated me a little bit was bringing better one to play four four two better in Calvert Lewin. I don't really see how that works as a cohesive game plan. It doesn't um, if you're not overlapping because you're not creating. All we did, hmm. sorry to put in, all we did was. We just played straight. So we put two of them that weren't next to each other, by the way, if you look where yeah. they are. And we just hit long straight balls at them. And well, it was well, like, what do you want them to do? Long straight balls at them from centre-back. Uh, yeah, well, that's what I mean. More yeah, yeah. Difficult. So I, mean, I understand the width, but like, I just see Calvert-Lewin and Beto as a type of partnership that I think fans love the idea of it working. It could be a beautiful chaos. There will be times when it does work. But really, I think that if you want to use a little bit of cohesion and intelligence around it, mm. if you're going to play two up front, it's got to be Dan Juma off one of them. Maybe, and you can yeah. you know, play one for an hour and one for 40 minutes mm. with the length of games this season. It, it almost felt like a concession that this, a concession that there wasn't the guile to break this team down, mm. that you know, we're going to put the two big lads up. Then the problem with that was because of the way in which they, they, you know, they, they were played to, Rather than stay up top, you then had Dominic Calvert-Lewin dropping deep to fill in the void where Evan don't have a midfielder that's yeah. kind of a number ten, a proper number ten who can, you know, have the ball thirty yards from the opposition's goal and take a little bit of time on it and find the pass through. They don't, they don't have that. No, no. Um, you know, they don't have that plan B. Basically, what, basically. what do you think about the possibility of doing what he kind of did at Villa then? At times, is in, to get if you are going to have the two big men mm. through the middle, if you were going to have it going to a three at the back and with three in midfield having a maybe a Dan Juma then off them or a Dwight McNeil mm. off them in that role get the whiff from the fullbacks but you've got three at the back because I think at Villa I know it was a little bit more 3-4-3 three, three than a 3-5-2 three, but that does give you another way of playing doesn't it and Luton did of course play with the three at yeah. the back so I was wondering if that'll ever come into his thinking with maybe McNeil at left wing back and Maybe Garner at right mm. wing back or Patterson at right wing back. I wonder if he'd ever look at that. But you're right, it was the way we played it on Saturday. It, it just didn't work, did mm. it? I mean, it's interesting because the Villa formation came out of the blue mm. and it was very, very effective. Mm. Yeah, it was effective against the Villa side, who I think, whilst they obviously would have wanted to win, had a talented side out there, they did make changes. Mm. I think, you know, uh, and I think they probably were caught by surprise by the tactics. They probably caught... I think I don't think it was necessarily the tactics that caught Villa out. I think it was the hunger and the desire, the, the determination, yeah. the intensity. Yeah. And for me, almost the theme of this Everton side at the moment is that when it beats teams, it doesn't tend to beat them as a result of tactics. Mm. It kind of tends to beat them as a result of physicality and mentality. Mm. You know, when you get a team that's having an off day that isn't prepared for Everton, that isn't fight willing to fight for everything that doesn't have a lot riding on the game maybe or might have just had a European fixture they might have changes in the squad they might have things yeah when Everton have had their success under Sean Dyke just because they've started really really quickly and got the early goals you yeah. think Brentford at home yeah. goal after a minute you think um, obviously Brighton away goal after a minute mm-hmm. um, yeah, you look at obviously Villa you the know, other like day Brentford, the other even week Brentford early early, early goals early this, this is a side that can 
can overwhelm teams if they're not prepared for them. Mm. The problem is that problem is twofold. One, a lot of teams are prepared for them, and when it becomes a tactical game, they you know, they have the resources to outplay Everton quite yeah. often. Uh, and the second thing is Everton's finishing because mm. you know we can talk about Deitch's setup of the teams and things like that altogether. I mean, you know, we're already talking about the setup against um, against Luton the other day. Well, mm. should have gone one 0 up after fifteen minutes. They did have the chances. Mm. Just like against Fulham, just like against. Well, that Wolves, was what I was going to say. You know? You're absolutely spot on, and, and the manager, from, mm. and I know he's quoted in a press conference, the highest XG mm. or whatever. But at what point does that come become a concern? Because if we keep doing the same thing and keep getting the same results, mm -hmm. isn't that the biggest the, the the sign of insanity? It is. Although I would say that the repetition perhaps isn't as um, hasn't been as prolonged as we think it has. Because I think there's when you look at the issue against Fulham and against Wolves. Obviously, it's the same issue that we had against Luton. Mm. But obviously, there has been an attempt to make a difference in there because Beto's come in and mm. also Dominic Calvert-Lewin has come back for a bit. So now Everton are doing the same thing, but with better players and more options. Mm. Obviously, it still didn't work against against Luton, but it's not quite this. Although, albeit it's the same template, it's it's template, but with better players. So you would hope that you would hope that the the change would come. The, the problem that Evan have got as the season goes on and hoping that those things will change. You know, Dyke seems to be hoping that eventually the stats will continue to trend in the same direction, but mm. the luck will change. Mm. I mean, the worry is that the stats go in the opposite direction because as we get deeper into the season, more and more teams who perhaps weren't prepared for how Everton were going to play can find out and predict how Everton are going to play and therefore counter it. And similarly, the standard of opposition is going to get better yeah, because one of the most frustrating things about this 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 run of seven games eight with Bournemouth is that there were so many opportunities to get points on the board. Mm. You know, Fulham at home, Wolves at home, Luton at home. When you look at Bournemouth at home as well, now Sheffield United. You had Sheffield United away, in, which I think was always going to be a difficult game, bearing in mind how important that was going to be to their season. Mm. But was still a game that Everton should go in looking for, you know, trying to get a win out of. Mm. Certainly not approaching with any with any fear. You know the danger is that it's all well and good saying the underlying performance have been good and the stats points in the right direction, but you haven't got points in the board. It's only going to become harder getting into the season. And you know, these are teams that haven't failed to beat or even get a point off at home that probably are going to finish in the bottom six or seven this season. Yeah, yeah. And you know we know that as soon as a better team comes, that tactic doesn't work because it's not like you could say Arsenal came and then Evan peppered them for the first 20 minutes and could have scored two. They, they didn't lay a glove didn't on them. Anything. And it, you know, sadly, it may well be, it may well be a similar story if Man City come to town, which they're still yet to do, if Newcastle come to town, which they're still yet to do, and you know, four or five other saying, clubs yeah. as well. So, I mean, so that's, that's another of the problems. And, you know, I think a real concern for Everton is that even if they win against Bournemouth, if they come from seven points from these eight games, that opportunity to create a cushion for that would at least get them through the next six weeks after this international break without necessarily the walls being at the door, buy everyone a little bit of time to settle in, find alternative formations, alternative positions yeah. for players, work on them, things like get Harrison back to fitness, McNeil up to full fitness, Calvert-Loon up to full fitness, get Beto and the t players around him on a wavelength, get Harrison, Calvert-Loon on a wavelength. That opportunity to, the space that they should have created to give them a little bit of time to work on, on that without yeah. the pressure, 
gone. It's gone. And it's gone even if they beat Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah. Seven points still isn't necessarily a good haul from this. No. You know, it might provide a, you know, a, a win would be good and yeah. it would, you know, it would kind calm of change the mood and calm it for a couple yeah. of weeks. But there isn't a way in which there isn't a lot of pressure going into the free games after the international break. And, you know, for all the potential that Everton have got to, to play well and take points from them, Liverpool away, Brighton at home, West Ham away. I think if we look at where those three clubs are at this moment and we look at where Everton are at the minute, Everton could play to the very best of their abilities and still struggle sure. against those three sides because they just have got more about them. Let's have a look at the Everton side that started against Luton uh, at the weekend. Trump State, there it is. Uh, Ashley Young, Tarkovsky, Branthwaite, Michalenko, Dubak, Garner, Amadou Onana, Dishagana, Gay, Dwight McNeil, Abdelai Decore, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Do you, do you envisage any change from that this weekend? I think so. Um, mm. I didn't have a problem with that starting lineup. I, I thought the, the Ghana situation was difficult. He got caught in a, a little bit of a trap in the fact that Ghana had been so good in Brentford and Villa, albeit away from home. At home, he struggled. But so good in those two games, it was very difficult to drop him. But then the problem is, do you then break up the midfield three, which is clearly Deitch's favourite three? Yeah, that's his favourite three. Yeah, do you break that up again? Or and, and put Garner in the middle. Do you keep him out? You know, and 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 again, whilst it's easy with hindsight to look at tactics and the way he set that side up, obviously, first fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, they should have scored. Mm. <laughs> you know, and yeah, then all of a sudden the yeah, game yeah. becomes a different game. But I don't think he should necessarily stick with the same one going. Mm. You know, I think after what we've just seen, I think that there would be legitimate calls for change. Yeah. Um, Bournemouth are an interesting side because they they are better than than Luton. Mm. And, and the Iraola side, you know, they will look to have more possession and they will look to press higher at the pitch. And in some ways that might help Everton yeah. because if they can beat that press, if they can get beyond it, there might be opportunities for them yeah. to hit on the counter, which is what they want to do. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah, what yeah, they're yeah. most effective at. Absolutely, yeah. But obviously, again, they've just got to take the chances when they come. Let's have a look at Bournemouth starting lineup. They were beaten 4-0 at home by Arsenal last week, still without a victory, of course. Uh, Neto. You've got Max Adams, Zabani, Senesi, Kirk as a left back, Christian Cook in the middle, and Tavernier, Billing, Clive and Solanke. They still also got Uatara and Sinister. I'm not sure if they're fit, but they're in their squad as well. And they've got no no wins so far, which mm. is not great to, uh, for Everton when Everton's <laughs> the next up. Um, but like I said before, obviously, they, we were the, you know, the last victory we got at Goodison was against them, the last clean sheet. One player we're going to have to keep an eye on is former Liverpool player Dominic Solanke. This is his numbers so far this season. Seven games played, three goals from an XG of 2.96. So, essentially scoring what he should. Mm -hmm. He's averaging 2.6 shots per game and has got one assist. And there's his heat map, which is basically everywhere, all over the pitch. Um, and he always likes a game against Everton. Mm -hmm. But from our perspective... As disappointing as it's been, and it has, it's been dreadful. Let's not dress it up. Four defeats out of four home games is shocking. I, I, in my many years watching Everton, have never seen Everton lose seven out of eight home games. Mm -hmm. um, it's the worst run I can ever remember playing some of the worst football I've ever seen as well in that time. This is a, we, we've got the chance to start again at the weekend yep. and, and get the three points. You know, we've just got to get on that front foot. And these are a the team that haven't won a game. Everton are above them at the moment and, and if Everton were to win we'll put a four point cushion between them huge. going into the yeah. break so it does represent a good opportunity Joe albeit it will be a very tough match mm. 
for Sean Dyche is meant to get this win at Goodison and, and try to break that before obviously next opponents here at, at Brighton, which will be a, a, another very, very difficult game. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It does represent an opportunity. I mean, I think you know, Bournemouth have kind of gone about it a slightly different way to Everton in mm. terms of obviously they haven't got their win yet. They have drawn three of the four games, yeah, haven't yeah. they? So there is a, a degree of stubbornness. And they, of course, went to Brentford and came very close they to did. winning. It was a late equaliser from Brentford. Uh, and it's difficult to kind of know what to do. Not not what to do. It's, it's difficult to know how to interpret this game, really. Because mm. obviously there's a lot riding on it for both sides. Huge amount riding on it for both sides. You look at that Bournemouth squad and they do have attacking options. And that's, you know, Cliver. I quite like the look of Cliver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Solanke is a predictable threat. Mm. And you would like to think that for Branthwaite and Tarkovsky, he's someone that they would feel relatively comfortable dealing with. Mm. Unfortunately, we saw at the weekend that everybody knew exactly what Carlton Morris was going to do yeah, and they yeah. still struggled to deal with it. So that's a bit of a, an issue. But it, I would be relatively confident of them being able to do the job against Solanke. My, my problem is probably the player I worry about a little bit is, is Billing, who's, yeah. who's been so effective for them you know, since they come back into the Premier mm. League. Just you know that having that strength and authority in, in, in the middle of the pitch and if Everton's centre midfield isn't on it, and you know there is this problem where Evan kind of they have a physically strong central midfield, but they don't have necessarily um, a positionally disciplined centre <laughs> midfield. That, that there isn't for all the calls and Anana could be it. There isn't really a natural number six there. Mm. And you know one thing that Evan have struggled and this this outdates Deitch because you know remember I mean most vivid memory of this is Villa away last season is. You know, they, they, they struggle in, in transition. You know, they keep struggling in the transition. You're having the awareness of a midf- the awareness the mid- a centre midfielder having an awareness to pick up the run of someone like a Billing is yeah. is, is severely lacking. Mm. And if it becomes a bit of an end to end game, that's a, that's a problem. And also they've got options out wide. And Evans' fullbacks are having intriguing seasons. Is probably that's a lovely way to put it. Joe. Yeah. A lovely way, very <laughs> diplomatic way to put it. Um, yeah, we've our fullbacks have been in better mm. form. I think we could say. Yeah. Um, but we we've got to we've got it. Like I said, right at the very start of this year, we've simply got to start winning home games. Otherwise, yeah. there's only one way this ends up. Mm. You know, every team that stayed up has always got home wins. You know, Sean Dyke got three. Was it last Arsenal season? Lee, Arsenal for four. He yeah. got in, and that was you know luckily that was just about enough to mm. keep us up. Frank Lampard had already got three, I think, before he'd... Was it three? Was it West Ham or two? West, West Ham, Ham and Palace. Palace wasn't it? That was it too. So, you know, I mean, six home wins is absolutely scandalous. But we have got to start winning. Like you just said, the, the level of opposition's going up another level, which, OK, could work one way. You know, you're not expected to win, and mm-hmm. that frees you, and you, you, you can almost play like an away style at home. But I think... For most teams who do keep themselves away from trouble, the home form is the thing that does it. And Everton cannot continue to, mm. to struggle with it. It's it's is Saturday a do or die for Dyke, or are we not there in your opinion just yet? Don't think we're there. Yeah. Quite yet. Yeah. Uh you know, don't get me wrong, uh, you know, any manager that loses five consecutive home games and against the nature of opposition, mm. you know, that that the is, is, on that them, is clearly, it? clearly troubling. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think there are a lot of kind of external circumstances that come into effect when it comes mm. to looking at Deitch. And I think, in fairness to him, some of that has to be just the lack of support that he's got from in, in the transfer window. Um, mm. 
and that continued even into this season. You know, it was clear that you know, players were effectively being sold from beneath his feet. I don't think he was particularly enamoured at the loss of Alex Awobi mm. um, on transfer deadline day. And, and I think that however you look at it, it feels like there was a miscalculation over Damari Gray, yeah. the way in which that was handled. Yeah. Like, it, it feels as if there was an attempt to go, OK, well, if Awobi's going there might be an opportunity to reintegrate Damari Gray and all that. He might not be Sean Dyche's favourite player, but we saw He's how that played team. out and it looked like there was an intent to try and keep him and, and, and work with him and obviously that lot. So all of a sudden he loses two attacking players for mm. nothing coming in and that's before you get into the Mope departure and the Tom Cannon departure, which Mope, I think we can understand. Mm. Tom Cannon is one that I kind of still feel really... Disapp- I feel sad about that mm. because I think it's... Um, a really kind of damning indictment of where the club is yeah. at right now yeah. because you know I think most the fans of most clubs what they love more than anything is seeing a lad come through the local lad come through the system and, mm. and have a chance to do well that pathway it's a pathway which you know Kevin Falwell was brought in to try and and, and create but yeah, again yeah. obviously hasn't really been given the conditions through which you could you could do that yeah, but Tom Tom Cannon being a lad with a proven goal scoring record at you know mid table championship level already, selling him at this stage in his career really did feel a bit of a shame. Albeit, you know, arguably the deal was a good one, but I think it just is a very good indicator as where Everton is the club to, right yeah. now, and and how sad that is. Uh, I think. But anyway, going back to Deitch, you know, you know, I think all those type of things have to be taken into you know into consideration you look at the side that he started the season with i've got to be honest like i still look at that fulham game and i still i still don't really understand how he got that side into a position where it should have won the game in the first place you, know, mm-hmm. you look you look how many injuries how many you know, how thin the squad was and he still created a side that should have had that game out of sight before you know before the goal that went went the other way that's not me saying that I necessarily think that everything's working or working fine, or me saying that he's got a blank check to continue on regardless. Yeah. Of course, there's none of that. But Everton, as a club on and off the pitch, have enough problems to deal with at the moment. And particularly when you look at his track record, you look at he has to have some credit in the bank for keeping up Everton last season. I think he did well to do that. Obviously, you know, people bring style and excitement and things like that into it and, and, and that does matter this is Everton Football Club there should be a pride about the way this team plays and a, an ambition about it but there also probably has to be a degree of pragmatism at the moment and I think you know from, from financial perspectives who else you would get in who's even making the decisions mm. I think all of them would point towards you know Deitch having a little bit more time even if the worst was to happen at the weekend the, the problem that Deitch has got and he would probably be approaching this point if they were to lose to Bournemouth is at some point the argument becomes less about who do you come in, who can who do you bring in who can do a better job and the and the argument becomes, well actually could anybody be doing a worse job? Mm. And 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 that is that sounds more critical than I want it to sound. I understand what you're saying. But mm. Even if you think that there are things that he is doing well, mm. and even if you think there are things that he just can't um, be held responsible for because of all the everything else around the club, which is it's clearly undermining him. Mm. Five home defeats from five is is troubling for any club in 
any situation. Yeah, he felt the last nine. That's and you know, if if that was you know, come the other side of the international break, you know, there would be pressure going into some games that you'd rather not have pressure in. Yeah. You know, you look at Anfield, you know, not being a happy hunting ground for some time, and there's been you know the death knell for a few managers over recent years. You look at Brighton, probably put in the performance, probably put in the the performance that should have seen Frank Lampard go last season. Yeah, correct. You look at West Ham, the game after which he did, did go. Did Frank Lampard go? <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, obviously. Oh, you're supposed to be cheering me up, uh, yeah. I, I wish, I wish I could, but yeah. yeah. Anyway, I mean, very long-winded answer. There's, there's so much around it, but for me, I don't think Deitch is quite there yet. Mm. You know, and I think that. Whilst people will point to an extraordinary run of results, I, I think that these are also extraordinary times, and I think that as a result of that, you know, I think he he deserves a bit more time as a result of that. Yeah. The easiest thing is just to win the game, isn't it? That, win the game the, and then start that winning. Change, yeah. The noise calms down. People can relax a little. And bit, like you said earlier, you know, beat Bournemouth with the way that they've started the season. Mm. You know, okay, seven points from eight games is is bad. But at least there's a four-point buffer It'd there. Be a four-point. Probably Spurs. You know, I think will beat Luton. Sheffield United, mm. maybe Burnley. Yeah. Not Burnley. Have got Chelsea. So, so three, Everton could three four-point. There yeah. could be a gap there a gap. because, and that's something that's also we'd has all to be, sleep a little bit easier yeah, if we've got a gap. And that's over. something also has to be borne in mind. I think a little bit. Mm. That I do think that Everton do need to do less this season than perhaps any other point in recent years to stay that can't be a bar but it has again it has to be a consideration Mm. when you look at just how just 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 how we're in a mess joe let's be honest it has to be a bar when when you look at at how problematic the run of sacking managers each season Mm. has been already that that has only hindered Everton going Mm. going back and it's a cycle that surely you you want to avoid especially now that you look at who's been brought in in this squad and you look at that striker axis of Calvert-Lewin, Beto, Chimiti, mm. so I don't know who really has one way of playing. Got to create more chances, yeah. get crosses in. You've got to, it, it, I, I, I accept all of that. The one thing I would say, and I used it for every single manager, is you can't keep the wrong manager in a job, though, because you don't want to sack another mm, manager. That's fair. And Frank Lampard, deserved, I, I like Frank, but he deserved to be sacked when he did Rafa Benitez. I, I didn't <laughs> like, but he deserved to be sacked when he did. He couldn't argue. Mm. Didn't win enough games of football. If Everton keep losing home games, Sean Dykes will have no argument, regardless of the chaos that is at Everton at the moment. The easiest way to just dampen this whole thing down just win on Saturday, please, Everton. Go out, just get the win, and we can all have a couple of weeks where we can smile. <laughs> There's a lovely little gap between us and the bottom three. We can puff our chests out a little bit, but it'll be tough. That's it'll it. be and tough. Point, you could point to three wins in the last four and say exactly. there is progress. Exactly. They need to make Luton the blip. Yeah. That's what they need to do. Yeah. They need to go out Absolutely. on Saturday and they, make, they need to say, you know what, Luton was the blip in this four-game period. Brentford and Villa wasn't the blip. No, that you was know, our norm. Like That's that our was, new norm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. fingers crossed. Let us know what you think in the comment section. No big thanks to Joe. Give us your score predictions. What's yours? I'll be honest. I'm, this is probably a good thing. For the first time this season in a home game, I'm not confident at all. Yeah. But I did think we'd win 3-1. Three, three, I didn't think 3-0 because we don't keep clean sheets. I thought it'd be 3-1 last week to Evan and we lost. So, I'm going with... I'm not confident, so I'm hoping that yeah. that's the that's the crying in Imbi and Everton get the win yeah. that we need.
I'll try anything at this stage. <laughs> Absolutely anything. Uh, thanks for watching. See you later.